0: This is the Average to Savage podcast with Paul Garino. Everyone and anyone, athletes, celebs, and much more. What's up, everybody? I'm back for another episode of the Average Savage podcast. Our special guest today is former NFL quarterback and ESPN analyst, Dan Orlowski. Dan, how's it going?
1: Very good, man. How are you?
0: Good, good. I appreciate you coming on.
1: Good to be with you, bud.
0: For sure. Uh, let's just... Go back a little bit. Uh, growing up in Connecticut, how did you first get involved in football? I
1: started playing football at about eight or nine years old. I had always played baseball at a super young age. Football was something that was in, introduced to me by my dad and played flag football for the first couple of years of my kind of football life, if you want to call it that. And mm-hmm. then from there, went to two years at Pop Warner. Luckily, where I grew up in, in Shelton, Connecticut, it's a really rich sports area and really rich football area and so coupled with having some talent to throw and the kind of culture I grew up in I fell in love with football
0: yeah gotcha yeah and you went on to dominate at uh Shelton High School and you won state championship and you're named All-American and then what was your like recruiting process like
1: this was kind of um it it was a little bit late UConn was on me earliest and most often from about my sophomore year and then I would get your random letters here and there that were I would imagine pretty customary for a lot of recruits and then once I committed I, I started making some official visits to Virginia and Michigan State and Purdue and uh, UConn had stayed on me and then I committed to UConn before my senior season and then my recruiting really picked up where I was getting you know offers or letters from Penn State and Tennessee mm-hmm. and Florida but I was so committed to UConn and Coach Ed so, so my recruitment wasn't crazy heavy yeah. uh, but once I made a commitment to UConn it actually picked up a little bit.
0: Wow, that's crazy. So, so you basically chose UConn just because they were with you the whole time.
1: Yeah, I chose UConn because one, they came in first. Mm-hmm. Two, I really fell in love with Coach Edsel and his message and the challenge that he presented. and three, I wanted to try and go do something that everyone thought would be crazy or impossible.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. And what what was your overall experience like at at UConn?
1: Oh, it was incredible. It was an experience that
0: I could only have hoped for, yeah. and. Tenfold. Uh, just the
1: the relationships that were built, the challenges that were faced, the adversity that was overcome, the less were learned. You know, being from the state of Connecticut and then going and being a part of what I was a part of at UConn, I still I still get talked about. Uh, I mm-hmm. still talk to just I would I would be close to where I am right now if not for my time at UConn
0: yeah for sure, I think just like you mentioned before you you wanted the you wanted that challenge and and you were the one that put uh Yukon football on the map yeah,
1: i was I was fortunate I was uh part of a really important program I was a uh, part of a really good team. We had a lot of good players, and like I said, like you go there with a dream or a vision or a goal and then you accomplish it and probably exceed it mm-hmm. and it was really, really rewarding,
0: definitely, definitely. And when, when did you think you had, like, a shot at making the NFL?
1: I would say back into my sophomore year of college is when I actually thought, all right, this might happen. It was always obviously a, mm-hmm. a dream or yeah. a, a wish or a goal. But back into my sophomore season, we started playing some more notarized national games. I started playing pretty good. And then my name started getting floated around with guys like Mel Kuiper and Some of the draft people realized, like, okay, um, this is, this is no longer just like a a childhood wish upon a star type thing. This is got the chance to be a reality. And I knew I went to school and I got in trouble for this at school. Like I always said, there was no plan B. I had Mm -hmm. always said all my eggs are in one basket. I was going to make this happen and there wasn't or else. And so once that sophomore season got kind of got concluded, that's when I was like, "Yeah, this this is gonna happen. I'm I'm gonna make this actually fall into place."
0: Gotcha, got. I like that. I like that you you said that you don't have a plan to be. But uh, going going to into the draft, uh, what was like your projection like before the draft? And getting drafted in the fifth round was that exceeding or not exceeding your uh, expectations?
1: Yeah, I mean, higher expectations than that. You know, the draft is a very unique process where it's not something you work for to, for one or two years. You work yeah. for it for 10, 12 years. And it's it's a process that a lot of people see it differently and, and whatnot. And I thought I would go in like the second or third round. Kind of the information for my agents mm-hmm. was a little bit scattered. But when you think about yourself, when your agent tells you, yeah, you don't, he doesn't know or you might fall, you don't, you're, you're like, yeah. Yeah, right. There's no chance. So I ended up going the fifth round, which was really frustrating and disappointing, but also euphoric and uh, very emotional. Mm -hmm. You you quickly realize, and everyone has heard it, it's not where you start, it's where you finish, what you do when you get there type thing, and that was a motivating factor for me for sure. And and, uh, I was fortunate to be drafted to an organization that gave me a chance. And certainly a difficult time but I, I had an opportunity to get there and, and again from there I felt like I controlled what was going to be the next decade
0: yeah definitely definitely and now being a ESPN NFL analyst like wh- what do you think uh most changed about the draft from like 2005 to like now
1: oh certainly the coverage yeah you know the the draft has become its own entity in its own spectacle, and and Mel Kuyper certainly is a big part of that, but, you know, it's still scrutinized in the same way. Mm -hmm. I would say because of social media, there's more viewpoints and opinions on the draft, on people, on teams. Everybody now has the opportunity to say their opinion or say what they think about their team or about this player getting drafted here. And so, no longer is it really just individuals on a network mm-hmm. it's now cuz of social media that is everybody's own individual network i would say that's the biggest thing yeah. and there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there that that is is tied to the draft now it's also what makes the draft so cool yeah. but it's still the same thing it is still mm-hmm. dreams getting fulfilled and hard work paying off and families celebrating it is still athletes proving doubters wrong it is still athletes being rewarded for their sacrifices it is still new beginnings it's still a lot of the same things that have been happening on happening for decades
0: definitely definitely and going back to uh detroit when they drafted you what what was your first year like there and then i i believe yeah you got what was your first game like like your first pro NFL game?
1: Yeah, my first year was wild. I mean, we were terrible as a football team and you go, this is the NFL. (laughs) I went to Detroit in 2005 when the economic recession started. And so obviously there's some challenging times in Detroit when the economy started to fall off. And then there's some challenging times in Detroit when you're there in December and January in the weather. And so there was a lot of really challenging aspects that you get thrown out there and you go from, I say this, like, it's really hard. You get thrown from being in college and being with your peers. And mm-hmm. I slept on a futon and kicked it with my buddies and played video games and played football. Then I'm in a locker room with 30-year-old men. And there's a lot of challenges that, that go along with that. But also at the same time, I was in the NFL. And it mm-hmm. it was it was I was in the coolest job ever. My first game, our first time ever playing was – I believe the second game of the year or third game of the year, we were at the, on the road against Chicago. I was the number two quarterback. We were getting absolutely buried by them. Joey Harrington was our starting quarterback, and he was struggling. And they ended up kind of sitting Joey down in the fourth quarter, and I was forced to go play. And I uh, was just trying to like make sure that I didn't do anything catastrophic out there. I was just trying to get a play call and get a snap and whatnot, and and I played a little bit that year because because of the struggles we had as a football team. Our head coach, Steve Mariucci, got fired, mm-hmm. so it was a it was a unique situation, let's say that.
0: Definitely, definitely. Then in uh, 08, you got your chance to uh, play more and start a few games, and what, what was it like getting your first touchdown?
1: Yeah, I mean, getting a first start's amazing. You get the opportunity to be the guy get the opportunity to start the game you're a starting quarterback in the nfl there's only so many people Mm -hmm. who could ever say that in the history of the world so really cool unfortunately we were a really bad football team unfortunately i made a really boneheaded play in my first start but nevertheless i accomplished something that was always a goal i accomplished something that was always a dream i accomplished something that 99% 99% of the people that I'd ever come across with thought never happened in my life. So, a lot of positives for me that I took from it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Who was your uh, first uh, touchdown pass to?
1: I believe my first career touchdown pass was to Roy Williams Okay. out of the University of Texas. Yep. It was a uh, like a bootleg or a naked or a quarterback keeper off motion and uh, threw it to Roy wasn't a i think it was four five six yards something
0: like that yeah okay, gotcha 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 so after that season you were a free agent so you got to like pick where you wanted to go what, what was that like
1: free agency was dope you know free agency is cool to want to be wanted yeah and to, get, to hit it for the first time and and uh took a couple visits and went down to houston and you know uh certainly a unique business aspect where my agent you know kind of played some games and and Strategy got a contract offer, and and I immediately was like, "Take that offer." And he was like, "Just let me work." And a couple <laughs> hours later, kind of tripled that offer. And so, uh, free agency it was cool. It was it was nice to kind of experience, and uh, certainly financially was was the benefit of it.
0: Definitely, definitely. Now, uh, like overall, like being a career backup, mostly what like how did you prepare to be ready to like start?
1: Well. The number one thing for me was I never thought of myself in that capacity. Your opportunity in the NFL, you usually get one, and you better be ready for that opportunity. And I never wanted to regret. I never wanted to have regret be a part of my career where the opportunity presented itself, and I was not ready. And so I always prepared and practiced and got myself ready and went about my business on Friday nights or on Saturday Like, I was going to take the first snap. I owed it to myself. I owed it to my future self. I owed it to my teammates to think in that capacity. Definitely studied a ton and watched an extreme amount of film. That was going to be my, I don't want to say preparation, but that was going to be how I was able to go confidently onto the field as if I Mentally knew my game plan and mentally studied a ton of tape and knew my de- the defense. Mm-hmm. I felt like I could go on the field confident and play if I didn't have a thousand reps.
0: Definitely, definitely. And uh, what what made you go back to Detroit, two thousand fourteen?
1: Jim Caldwell, the head coach who I had the opportunity to play for in two thousand eleven, was certainly part of that. I always loved Michigan. I always loved the people there. Frankly, money, you know, and you know the contract that was offered to me. Uh, I did not know Matthew Stafford at that time, but I was super intrigued with working with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that was the main motivation.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. And um, like, what, what advice would you give to a young football player trying to get a D1 scholarship or trying to make it to the NFL?
1: It will take more work than you could ever fathom. It will take more sacrifice than you could ever fathom. It will unquestionably challenge you in, in, in ways that you never thought you would be challenged, it will 100% be worth it. I've been around a lot of guys mm-hmm. that regret and will send me messages or send me notes or call me or text message me and they will always say, I wish I worked harder. I wish I focused more. I wish I listened to you or I wish I worked out with you or whatever. I don't have a single guy who has ever called me and said it never it, it wasn't worth it you know what, the work that we put in didn't pay off. Don't listen to other people except the people that matter to you. Again, I played for 12 years in the NFL, and 99% of the people that I had come across in my life told me I never would. So you're always, no matter how good you are, someone's going to tell me tell you you can't. Just because someone tells you you can doesn't mean you have. And it's important to understand that it doesn't happen overnight. It happens to failure, and you've got to be willing to fail to get there. You've got to be willing to not believe in yourself enough to put yourself out there enough to fail to get there. There might be the random 1% that they're just the freaks. The rest mm-hmm. of the guys that make it make it because they believe in themselves, and they don't have a, a fail clause. They don't have a bailout plan. They control what they control. I consider it saying as a 35-year-old, I don't regret a single moment where I chose my football career over a party or over doing this or doing that. I always put that first Mm -hmm. when I was young, and it paid off.
0: Definitely, definitely. So after you retired in 2017, did you know you wanted to be like an NFL analyst, or did it just happen?
1: I had always thought of getting into television. You know, Mm I had always— I was never the person, I'm a big person, I'm a big picture thinker, but I I, I never put action towards that picture. Mm -hmm. Meaning, when I was playing football, I didn't really think about what I was going to do after football, because I was getting paid to focus on being a football player. That was my job. And then when I got done, I I certainly had the thought of what I was going to do, but I never really was uh, making steps towards that. And when I got done... I thought about getting into television, and then I started doing some stuff and started to really like it. And then, okay, I'm, I feel like I'm doing some stuff here that's pretty cool and, and, and I'm good at. And so um, it, it kind of opened some doors for me social media-wise, and mm-hmm. that's kind of how I ended up at ESPN. Yeah,
0: correct, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I think you were putting out stuff on social media, just like plays and stuff like that, and then it picked up. And is that how ESPN saw you? Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I just started breaking down stuff on Twitter and then mm-hmm. that kinda gained traction and that opened up some doors from networks saying, Hey, will you come on our show and do this on you know, so I would drive up to New York City from Philadelphia on my own and um, I would do I would pay for my own train or pay for my own ride and I'd go up there and do my own work just to, again, I believed in it. I believed mm-hmm. in myself and, and I thought that if I went out and showed doors would open and they did and that's when a couple of networks came calling and I was fortunate enough to have a couple options and fortunate and blessed to work you know make a decision to go work for ESPN and be a part of their great company
0: definitely definitely you got any uh predictions for the 2019 season
1: predictions are are tricky because you don't know necessarily how everything will unfold and injuries and whatnot I do know that This is probably the healthiest the NFL has been in a long time when it comes to the teams. Mm -hmm. You could go to every division and point to two teams at least that you could see winning that division and making the playoff run outside of maybe the AFC East, and they have the defending Super Bowl champion. The AFC is loaded with young quarterback talent. The NFC is loaded with proven quarterback talent. It'll be a fun year to to sit here and say, like, I – I love the Chiefs, but their defense concerns me. I love the Browns. Can they do it? I love the Colts. I love the Patriots. Still, the Chargers. I mean, every, everyone's going to be very good. The, the Falcons are they healthy again? Because if they are, they're Super Bowl contenders. The Cowboys are loaded. The Eagles will be unbelievable. So, I, I know that's not necessarily a prediction, but they're kind of they're, they're tricky.
0: Gotcha, gotcha. Is there any? What about is there any quarterbacks that you're looking forward to see?
1: Certainly Baker. Certainly mm-hmm. Kyler Murray. Certainly, Andrew Luck. Certainly, Carson Wentz. I, I love watching all quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, 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 gotcha, gotcha. All right, you ready for some fun questions? They're going to go from average sure. to savage. What's your favorite song right now?
1: Cool by the Jonas Brothers.
0: Oh, that was fast. Usually, people are thinking about it. <laughs> what about?
1: Yeah, I'd say Cool by the Jonas Brothers or One Man Band by Old Dominion.
0: All right. What about what are three jerseys that you want that you don't own?
1: I don't own any jerseys. <laughs> um, I, that's a lie. I own one jersey. It's signed by Calvin Johnson, who I was fortunate enough to play with. I don't have a desire to go get anybody's jersey. I, I've played with Hall of Famers. I played with Peyton Manning and Calvin Johnson and Reggie Wayne and Andre Johnson. Played with a lot of great players. Um, I don't have desires to go and go get anybody's jersey. If I could go get one jersey signed right now, it would be Carson Wentz. My wife's family and are from Philly. My kids are Eagles fans, so I'd go get a Wentz jersey signed for them.
0: All right, that's cool. The last one, top five quarterbacks of all time, like your favorite.
1: Favorite quarterbacks of all time. John Elway for the for the, the toughness that he played with. Brett Favre for the courageousness that he played with. Peyton Manning for the precision that he played with. Tom Big Brady for the obsession that he played with. And I'm going to send a teammate of mine, Matthew Stafford, for the toughness that he played with. He's also a good friend of mine, so I'm allowed to put him in my top five.
0: <laughs> All right, perfect. I appreciate you coming on. Can you let people know where they can follow you on social media?
1: Uh, yeah, just at Dan Orlovsky, the number seven on Twitter is is the best option.
0: All right, once again, appreciate it, and good luck this season. Thanks, dude. That's it.